Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So, we have a new person in robes in our midst, and someone who's been in robes for a long time, Reverend Hung Shur, so good to see you. This is for those who who, um, who aren't familiar, we haven't met before, this is uh, Reverend Hung Shur, who's the uh, director of, uh, of the monastery and uh, comes uh, and gives talks here from time to time. Um, and uh, you got somebody new with you. This is Marek, for those who haven't met him before. Good evening, everybody. Um, I'm Hung Shur, as James mentioned, and... Uh, if you don't know me, you should. So, it's true. Um, we have welcomed what used to be known as Spirit Rock East Bay, and is now the East Bay Insight Meditation Community here in 1995. First year, in the first couple months of our existence here, which is now, count them, how's your math? New math, old math, 20 years. 20th anniversary of... We should. You bring your Gibson guitar, and I'll bring, yeah, good, I'll bring my banjo. This guy is quite the musician. Nah, I, inspired by him. That's, a, that's actually the truth. On your 50th birthday, James pulled out his battered Gibson guitar here, and I had not touched my guitar for 25 years, having been an old folky as long as, as, as he was. And I saw that, and he sang, Teach Your Children Well, and all you guys like sang along in unison angelically. And I thought, wow, that's an expedient means that really brings people together. So that was the beginning of the slippery slope and down, you know, so boy, oh boy. So. How many CDs later? Well, one and a half. And a two, no, two actually and a, and a third coming. So, yeah. So anyhow, um, I'm not the focus of tonight. Uh, what I wanted to say was, you all, I've got a Charlie horse here, you all have, uh, are uh, part of Buddhist history in America in that the uh, person to my left, formerly known as Marek Chodkevich, is now Qin Xian. Everybody say Qin. Qin. Xian. Xian means uh, worthy or good. And so he is the, the, the Shramanera, known as the worthy one or the good one. Good, capital G, as in goodness. Now, um, why are we part of Buddhist history? It's because... Um, Marek Qinxian, sure, uh, on Sunday. Thank you very much. Hi, thanks. Yeah, I'm good now. Um, I worked it out. So. Uh, <coughs> he um, shaved his head. I, I helped. He shaved his head. There were 3,000 people in attendance. And uh, three men and two women went forth from the householder's life to enter the Buddhist Sangha, which has been happening for, count them, 2,550 years on this planet. It is the longest-running fraternity 
in human history, current to the present. So um, he did his uh, note his training here in the Thai tradition that folks may be familiar with. He was an anagarika, right, for uh, uh, for a year plus, and uh, it just made the request to to leave the home life, and uh, so we checked him out, and and his mom and stepfather came, and she cried, and it was wonderful. And she says, I'm so, so happy to see you, people. I'm happy. I'm really happy. <laughs> so it was great to see. And she's, uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if she doesn't start hanging around. She was here Thursday night for James's class, and she kind of followed the basketball talk, but not really. But she was willing to put up with the basketball talk to get the Dharma in there, and she ate her fill of Buddha Dharma and basketball talk. So it was great. Pope Francis, too. Well, me, too. I mean, I, we drove down listening to the final and celebrated. So drove down from where? Drove down from White Salmon, Pacific Hermitage, t- doing alms rounds with Ajahn Sudanto up in the little town of White Salmon, Washington. So he's uh, an alms monk at this point. So anyway, um, he's now a uh, Buddhist shramanera, which is the, uh, he has taken 10 precepts which have been transmitted to men and women all these millennia as the training rules by which one transits from being a householder, is the phrase, uh, someone who is married and owns property and uh, um, works at a career, <coughs> to one who is officially homeless, fully homeless, and depends upon alms for his livelihood, for his food every single day, and has vows of celibacy and, and uh, uh, poverty. And uh, we don't say obedience, not exactly that, but certainly uh, enthusiasm for the training that the Buddha set forth. So that's, that's who uh, is here before you. And uh, you all had a, a large part in shaping him because Qin Xian has been on the board of your organization and has been the liaison with the monastery. So I want to thank you for bringing him to the gate of the Sangha. And uh, he will be, he's not, he's not going anywhere. He's right here. But he is, he's going to tell you a little bit about the rules he's going to give himself as he transits over to uh, a member of the Buddhist Sangha. So it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but it has been done successfully for for two and a half millennia, and uh, we hope that uh, he will be the first Westerner to enter the the Sangha here in the Berkeley community, and uh, will be a pioneer for others to follow. So hang on to your hair, folks. Uh, Hello. It's like you notice something changed. I lose my hair name and have a little bit different robe. And what I just noticed, of course, is something big commitment to me and something wonderful happened. (laughs) And I'm really glad that also you are the witness this process. (laughs) My parents was really uh, happy to be here. And uh, for they start uh, their journey just here and was, wow, it's so nice here, and 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 
for them also this place help to <laughs> help uh, accept this process because also this is not easy to <laughs> to understand from the uh, either people with Polish background, <laughs> uh, but Buddhism is still something new for uh, for many of us. And just I want to know that, uh, like Dharma Master Hang Shur mentioned, that something changed, and I am now in the training, and means that is now for me time to uh, work with my foundation, to keep these mm, deep roots, to uh, prepare myself to uh, long, long run, and this is kind really important part of the, this practice to be more focused to establish mindfulness seven for forty five seven and twenty four seven yeah like you see this is not easy <laughs> and and of course, I will still hear, but um, now I uh, start this new period. It is it will be the kind of retreat when I try to be more uh, inside and more be quiet, maybe a little bit less social, <laughs> and keep a little bit distance. But I will still hear. You can see me here, and I will be. I try to be invisible. What is not easy in this rope, <laughs> but if uh, you uh, don't notice me uh, or notice like a, uh, another weird thing and monastery is quite a lot of here, <laughs> it means that it's successful <laughs> for me. Yeah, <laughs> and of course this is this is period of time, and when I back. Uh, I will be here, <laughs> still more in involved and engaged to many things, what is really close to my heart, actually. And, and I'm so glad and grateful that I'm part of this wonderful community. And thank you. So Qinxian will be a novice monk for an appropriate period of years, maybe one, maybe two, uh, in that training, and it's, it's not fixed. And then when the conditions uh, come together, which... Uh, at this point, we don't have a date, but it's usually every three years. We have a full ordination, and he will go forth and take the bhikshu precepts uh, and the bodhisattva precepts as well, which is in our Mahayana tradition is the way we do it. So, so uh, again, your support is not only uh, welcomed and encouraged, it's essential to help uh, Qinxian go through and become uh, a teacher of gods and humans. This is what they, they big shoes have been called for all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So the Buddha Dharma is truly here in the West, and uh, we uh, appreciate your uh, support and uh, you know both physical and, and invisible. And uh, uh, as as we we were trying to work on a joke, and we didn't quite get it through the Polish and English translation. But the idea is. His body will be here, but uh, if, if, you, if he's physically here and you don't notice him, that's success. Mm -hmm. Because his self will have been cultivated away. So, so uh, essentially, um, as I understand it, not a lot of social interaction. Right. Uh, you, you can just... No, uh, no hugs. We do Buddhist hugs. Yeah. 
And, and, talks, yeah. and what about as far as um, saying hi or uh, conversation? Uh, where? How do you want to set it up? Where, it's, where it's really there's no hard and fast rule. Uh-huh. It's up to him. So let's what just. Do you think? Thinking about that, and we can. What's that? We can thinking about that. Uh huh. So, is it okay for people to to say hi? Of course, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I will be here. Not that yeah. he's going to answer you. But yeah. But, <laughs> uh, and but but not. Oh, tell me what's going on lately in your life. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. that might be a little and bit much. Of course, it's something really important. I'm open, and I really want to help. And it's mm-hmm. it's not like I'm totally shut up. But okay. <laughs> Just little. Mm-hmm. Hi. <laughs> really good to see you, and really good for you. Uh, so so glad uh, to witness this this step, this big step for you and for for the order and uh, for community and for Buddhism in America. Thank you. And Poland, not to mention Poland. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. You. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the the talk um, is um, I'm calling uh, opening to the big picture. <clears throat> Or seeing the big picture, uh, and I was oh, moved to um, to talk about this um, two things. You know, sometimes that you get a couple of messages from different places that uh, come together, and uh, two things that I saw this week that um, connected me with this part of my uh, my Dharma world. Uh, one was I uh, happened to finally get to a a um, a segment that I had taped a a, wa- um, a while back a sixty seg- sixty seg- sixty minutes segment um, on uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, the um, Hayden Planetarium uh, uh, director and uh, who who did the Cosmos series and is wildly popular and bringing bringing back uh an interest in in the cosmos uh that uh Carl Sagan uh was was such a great uh uh communicator of uh and it was really beautiful just seeing him uh and his enthusiasm and his excitement the in, the infectiousness of it um and I, when I was a kid, I've mentioned this here before, really my connection to the Dharma, my first connection was going to the Hayden Planetarium, dragging my parents there as often as they would uh, put up with, with me. Uh, although when they got there, they enjoyed it too. Come on, let's go again. And just looking up at the Sky Dome we didn't have that many stars in New York, but uh, could always go to the Hayden Planetarium and guarantee uh, seeing a lot. And just going, wow. And there was something in it that, um, as probably you've experienced for yourself, that uh, 
open up to this vast, incomprehensible perspective that um, was both awe-inspiring and um, um, bringing a, a, a sense of the relative insignificance of of my life, of everything on this planet, this little speck in the universe. Uh, and uh, just seeing him again just was uh, filled me with that, that awe. And then the second um, event that touched me was uh, watching this movie, Planetary, uh, which has come out recently, um, which I recommend highly. Uh, they're going to be... Um, oh my goodness. I, excuse me. Turn off your cell phones, but I have mine going on right now. My son is calling me here. Sorry. Bye, Adam. Um, and... Uh, uh, so this movie Planetary, which is a very beautifully done, moving experience of some of the finest minds, both cosmic and um, uh, ecological and, um, and wisdom teachers, talking about how much we love this planet. But looking at it from a big picture, a wide view. Uh, and it starts off, if I can pull it up here, actually with the beginning of some astronauts talking about their experience. And uh, I think I'll, maybe you can see it, maybe not, but I, I'll just, uh, it's more hearing the, a few moments, and I'll, I'll play this, this uh, piece for a few moments of a couple of astronauts talking on that first day, that first day in space, the most spectacular moment was when you look out the window for the first time. When you are able to unstrap out of your seat, your tasks are over, and you get to really take a look at our planet, it's just absolutely breathtaking to see that. It is just an incredible view. I look down at this planet, at our Earth, and you see this thin shimmering layer of blue light. That's our atmosphere that sustains us. It almost seems like it iridesces from within. What's really amazing and beautiful is watching this line slowly pass across the earth below us. Something that you can't see from the earth. And watching all the evidence of human activity all of a sudden come alive as we pass into the dark side of the orbit. We flew so close to dancing curtains of auroras that we felt like we could reach out and touch them. There's so many just absolutely breathtaking things. The 
really wonderful thing that happened to me when I was in space was this feeling of belonging to the entire universe. I actually didn't think, here's this earth and that's the only thing I belong to. I actually imagined myself in a star system 10,000 light years away. And I felt I also belong there. You know, we're as much a part of this universe as any speck of stardust, you know, any asteroid. We're part of this universe. It's, um, it's really fascinating how you see something from a different perspective and it changes things. You might know it conceptually. That's, that's, the, that's the mystery. Sure, you know, you can have all the numbers and the, the zeros and, uh, uh, you know, that, that just boggle the mind as far as the enormity and immensity of, uh, of stars, cosmos, galaxies, and things like that. But to actually experience it for yourself changes people. And I, uh, I wanted to share with you another very moving piece from an astronaut that we used to play uh, on retreats. I don't know how Jack got a hold of this cassette. I, I tried to see if, uh, if it was available in his, in his voice, but uh, it's not. But the words are here. And I just wanted to read to you uh, something, again, that was part of my, uh, my Dharma... Um, inspiration um, on retreats many years ago. This is from Rusty Schweikert, who was one of the first astronauts. And this is what he says. Up there, you go around every hour and a half, time after time after time. You wake up usually in the mornings, and just the way that the track of your orbits go, you wake up over the Mideast, over North Africa. As you eat breakfast, you look out the window as you're going past, and there's the Mediterranean area, and Greece, and Rome, and North Africa, and the Sinai, the whole area. And you realize that in one glance, that what you're seeing is what was the whole history of man for years, the cradle of civilization, and you think of all that history that you can imagine looking at that scene. And you go around, down across North Africa, out over the Indian Ocean, and look up at that great subcontinent of India pointed down toward you as you go past it. And Ceylon off to the side, Burma, Southeast Asia, out over the Philippines and up across the monstrous Pacific Ocean, vast body of water, You've never realized how big that, it is, that is before. And you finally come up across the coast of California and look for those friendly things, Los Angeles and Phoenix and on across El Paso. And there's Houston, there's home. And you look and sure enough, there's the Astrodome. And you identify with that, you know, it's an attachment. 
and, and down across New Orleans and then looking down to the south and there's the whole peninsula of Florida laid out and all the hundreds of hours you spent flying across that route down in the atmosphere, all that is friendly again and you go out across the Atlantic Ocean and back across Africa and you do it again and again and again. And that identity that you identify with Houston and then you identify with Los Angeles and Phoenix and New Orleans and everything. And the next thing you recognize in yourself is you're identifying with North Africa. You look forward to that. You anticipate it. And there it is. That whole process begins to shift of what it is you identify with. When you go around in it, an hour and a half, you begin to recognize that your identity is with that whole thing. And that makes a change. You look down there, and you can't imagine how many borders and boundaries you crossed again and again and again. And you don't even see them. And that wake-up scene, the Mideast, you know there are hundreds of people killing each other over some imaginary line that you can't see. From where you see it, The thing is a whole, and it's so beautiful. And you wish you could take one from each side and hand and say, look at it from this perspective. Look at that. What's important? And so a little later, your friend, another astronaut, the person next to you goes out to the moon, and now he looks back, and he he sees the Earth not as some big, something big, where he can see the beautiful details, but he sees the earth as a small thing out there. And now that contrast between that bright blue and white Christmas tree ornament and that black sky, that infinite universe, really comes through. The size of it, the significance of it, it becomes both things. It becomes so small and so fragile and such a precious little spot in that universe that you can block it out with your thumb and you realize that on that small spot that little blue and white thing is everything that means anything to you all of history and music and poetry and art and war and death and birth and love tears joy games all of it is on that little spot out there that you can cover with your thumb and you realize with that perspective that you've changed, that there's something new there. That relationship is no longer what it was. And then you look back on the time when you were outside the ship in space, that you had the time to think about what was happening and what you've got around your head is a goldfish bowl. There are no limits here. There are no frames. There are no boundaries. You're really out there, over it, floating, going 25,000 miles an hour, ripping through space, a vacuum, and there's not a sound. There's a silence, the depth of which you've never experienced before. And that silence contrasts so markedly with the scenery, with what you're seeing, and the speed with which you know you're going. That contrast, the mix of those two things, really comes through. And you think about what you're experiencing and why. Did you deserve this, this fantastic experience? Have you earned this in some way? 
Are you separated out to be touched by God, to have some special experience here that other men cannot have? You know the answer to that is no. There's nothing that you've done that deserves that, that earned that. It's not a special thing for you. You know very well at that moment, and it comes through to you so powerfully that you're the sensing element for man. You look down and see the surface of that globe that you lived on all this time, and you know all those people down there, they are like you. They are you. And somehow you represent them when you're up there. A sensing element, that point out on the end. And that's a humbling feeling. It's a feeling that says you have a responsibility. It's not for yourself. The eye doesn't, the eye doesn't see Oh, sorry, the eye that doesn't see does not do justice to the body. That's why it's there. And that's why you're out there. And somehow you recognize that you're a piece of this total life. You're out on that forefront and you have to bring that back somehow. And that becomes a rather special responsibility. It tells you something about your relationship with this thing we call life. So that's a change. That's something new. And when you come back, there's a difference in that world now. There's a difference in the relationship between you and that planet and you and all those other forms of life on that planet because you've had that kind of experience. It's a difference and it's so precious. And all through this, I've used the word you because it's not me, it's you, it's us, it's we, it's life. It's had, that exp- it's had that experience. And it's not just my problem to integrate. It's not my challenge to integrate, my joy to integrate. It's yours. It's everybody's. I guess that's really about all I'd like to say, except that, and I don't know why, but to me it means a lot. I'd like to close with this poem by E.E. E. Cummings. He was giving this as an address to, someone, to, to a group that has become a part of me somehow out of all this, and I'm not really sure how. He says, I thank you, God, for this most amazing day, for the leaping, greenly spirits of trees and a blue, true dream of sky and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. Thank you. If we could all just see that perspective, if we could all just maintain that perspective, we can not only, we can touch the sacred with awe and wonder, mind-boggling, incomprehensible, taking in reality, to the best we can, but we see what's really important and we see our little dramas 
which is the only show we have going on inside, but we just see it with a bit more perspective. And we see just how precious this whole amazing planet that we share is. That was the point in in this movie, Planetary. It was so beautiful, you know, there's... Uh, there's the the people who are, uh, there's some scenes that break your heart as to what humanity is doing to this planet. Um, and, and there's no sugarcoating that. But it is also held in the context of how amazing, how miraculous, how much grace we've all received to, to be alive in this little speck floating through the universe. That's the only life that we know. It's the only life that we absolutely know and know intimately It's all we've got. Why not just love it as much as we can? Why not just honor it and be moved to take care of it as best we can? Mm. And what this, the, the, gift of seeing this huge perspective gives besides that that feeling the sacredness uh, for me the other gift in the astronomical perspective um, is equanimity is just seeing it's so much vaster than any little drama that we have Equanimity, the essence of equanimity that, for me anyway, is the spaciousness that can see things, be touched, be caring, and yet see things in such a vastness where it's all small stuff, as we say. Don't sweat the small stuff, that, those series of books. In the bigger picture, it's all small stuff. And yet, it matters. I was talking about this the last time, about the controlled folly of, uh, that Carlos Castaneda uh, so beautifully taught, where every act matters, and in the bigger picture, it doesn't matter. And how can we live our life as if both it all matters and what we do on this planet matters and at the same time seeing life will 
go on without us. The Dalai Lama, he talks about caring for the earth and he says, you know, we have to do everything we can, but, uh, but who knows how it's going to turn out. And he says, I love this line, world systems come and go. That's the big picture. World systems come and go. And at the same time of caring so deeply, we let go of feeling that we need to shoulder the burden so it becomes a a heavy weight, but rather coming from a a joyful responsibility, as Julia Butterfly Hill calls calls it. I love that that phrase. To just do what we can from a place of love and a place of joy. I've been taking this class, this course, with um, Carrie Nelson, who came here a couple of uh, months ago, uh, with our green group our uh, Insight Berkeley Green Group, Sean Munding, Kate's partner, Kate's husband is, is uh, part of the class. He's, he's leading the Green Group, and um, there's about uh, seven, seven of us who've been going through a weekly class. And the first week, what our assignment was, was to... Um, read an article about climate change every day uh, in the newspaper and notice how we take in the information. Just notice what happens. Is there recoiling? Is there inspiration? Is there whatever? And um, just notice how open or not we are to it and how to process that in a way that um, that's healthy and that holds it in a Dharma context. Uh, And then the last, the second week, um, the assignment was not to read about climate change or anything like that, but just to walk around the neighborhood or go to one of your favorite spots uh, or your favorite um, connection with nature and just look very deeply look in a way that you don't usually look. And as I walked around the neighborhood, it was quite interesting how uh, just having that little extra invitation, um, my walks took on a whole different quality. Instead of seeing the, the trees and the plants and the shrubs as... Um, pretty adornments for houses, you know, and just, oh, that's nice scenery. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a lovely tree. And just walking by, um, I started feeling the life coming through wherever I saw. And uh, it's hard to describe, but it was like, I was I was feeling and seeing the trees and the and the shrubs um, coming from deep in the earth, and just that was the the 
flowering, so to speak, even the tree. A lot of times, you know, I love when you look at trees, and especially some trees around my, my neighborhood, and they look like cauliflower or broccoli. You know, it's just like big pieces of some of the trees around mine with the coloring. It's just oh, big pieces of broccoli coming through. Uh, and then you just feel the connection of life underneath it and feeling that it's all connected. These are just these little sprouts, but this living organism underneath. And it was, um, it was lovely. And I actually, I, and then, then the other assignment was to look at one favorite connection and see what, what happens. So I, and to write about it. So I, I just uh, went to my backyard, and this is what I saw. Dominating my modest, relatively small backyard is a massive, dignified, inspiring 30-foot California redwood tree. Although I've lived in our house, in our home for 27 years, and have always appreciated its strength, beauty, and beauty, sitting with it as a meditation connected me with it in a way I've not previously experienced as I sensed the immense life force within. Looking at the huge base rising from the ground, I could imagine the enormously powerful connection between the tree roots and the earth needed to keep the trunk upright without giving me a moment of doubt in all the years I've been here. Looking more deeply, I wondered how many countless living organisms call this tree their home, besides the serene Buddha uh, sitting sheltered within its base. The branches with vibrant green shooting out in every direction as far up as the eye can see help me reflect on the living magical network that carries water and sap throughout this regal being to nourish and sustain life all the way to the top What a magical transportation system. I'm filled with awe as I open to the majesty of this expression of life that's been a a solid, quiet, comfortable presence all these years without ever receiving the appreciative connection I'm finally giving it, which it so richly deserves. Just a little bit of looking more deeply to connect with the amazing life that's all around us. This is the, the bigger picture that um, the more I tune into it, the more my, my dramas, as important as they can seem, just uh, take on a little bit less of a charge. Um, and I uh, just invite you as we, um, as we practice to um, open up to the vastness of life all around us, the preciousness of life all around us, and the uh, immensity, the, the vastness of this universe that we're surrounded in, surrounded by, and to um, just take ourselves a little less seriously. And so I, 
I want to just end this piece and then we can have a, a conversation um, with one of my favorite poems that kind of puts this also in perspective. This is a, a Robert Frost poem called A Considerable Speck. And if you think of that little dot that you could cover up with your thumb that, that Rusty Schweikert uh, talked about, um, this is just one more considerable speck. A speck that would have been beneath my sight on any but a paper sheet so white set off across what I had written there. And I had idly poised my pen in air to stop it with a period of ink when something strange about it made me think. This was no dust speck by my breathing blown, but unmistakably a living mite with inclinations it could call its own. It paused as with suspicion of my pen and then came racing wildly on again to where my manuscript was not yet dry, then paused again and either drank or smelt with loathing for again it turned to fly, plainly with an intelligence I dealt. It seemed too tiny to have room for feet, yet must have had a set of them complete to express how much it didn't want to die. It ran with terror and with cunning crept. It faltered. I could see it hesitate. Then in the middle of the open sheet, cower down in desperation to accept whatever I accorded it of fate. I have none of the tenderer-than-thou collectivistic regimenting love with which the modern world is being swept. But this poor microscopic item now, since it was nothing I knew evil of, I let it lie there till I hope it slept. I have a mind myself and recognize mind when I meet, it with, meet with it in any guise. No one can know how glad I am to find on any sheet the least display of mind. And here we are, a considerable speck floating through the universe. Maybe somebody's dot on their paper. So, um, seeing the big picture, uh, a doorway to, uh, to equanimity. So, we have some time. We can either, if anything about the talk topic or anything about practice, we can take some time and, uh, before we go. Here, wait a second. Is that Michael back there? Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah, put it right next to your mouth. Um, yeah, I uh, was part of the group that uh, saw this movie when it came out the, for the premiere. Sean brought his computer over to our house. And uh, I think it'd really be fantastic if we could like use the screen here 
And at some, you know, whether it was a Thursday or some other day, uh, let everybody see it. It really is a powerful movie. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's a thought that we've been discussing. Sean has been in conversation with, uh, with the monastery, so maybe we'll do that uh, sometime in the next uh, couple of months. Yeah. Green Committee Man. is going to show Planetary. Oh, at, who is? Where? Uh, the Green Committee. Oh, yes. It's going, yes. going to show Planetary at Diana Hall out in uh, Point Richmond, uh, oh, where yes. Anam Tupton yes. uh, teaches. And it's on Saturday, July 11th at 7 p.m. Mm. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll mention that on the, uh, we'll, we'll maybe put it on the website. Yes. And, uh, so, and, and uh, Nan is in, in, the, uh, in that group with, uh, with us. Yeah. It's fun, isn't yes, it? It is, it's yeah. terrific. So uh, on July 11th at Anam Tupton's um, Center, you can also just look at Dharmata Foundation. It's in Point Richmond. Uh, they'll show planetary, but I think it would be also nice to have a showing here. There's a big screen down here. Yeah, it's beautiful to be inspired about how much you love the planet. Uh, at seven uh, on July 11th. Yeah. So, anything else before we close? Oh yeah. In conjunction with what you spoke, uh, um, James, uh, I don't know if you paid attention to Pope Francis' uh, latest uh, document from the Vatican talking about our home on planet Earth, and I think that is something that we should really uh, pay some attention and especially help to uh, spread. The, the content of, of that uh, of that document, I think, is he is as a spiritual leader. He has done a great job in in bringing us uh, up front some of the issues that have to do with the health of our home. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, thank you. And last week, that was a, a, a major part of my talk with Pope Francis. And um, uh, you can go. The, you can listen to it on. Uh, uh, the Dharma Seed or on our website, uh, Recorded Dharma. But yeah, as I said last week, that's huge, bringing a whole other level of consciousness uh, and seeing that this is a, a moral issue, not just a political issue. Yeah, yeah. thank you. You can read it in English on the web. It's, uh, it's 183 pages, um, but you can also get some of the the distillation uh, as well. It's beautiful. Okay, so uh, let's close with a little loving kindness. And for just a a moment, uh, reflect on this whole planet with all of life, human and way more non-human, all the sentient beings on this planet we share our home with, and the, the living, breathing earth 
that so gracefully, generously sustains us. And uh, just wish it well, and all beings well. May all be healthy and happy and caring and express their love well. May we stay in touch with how much we are gifted with and how much life sustains us. And may we have a vast perspective the perspective of spacious equanimity that can hold all of our caring, all of our feelings, all of our love. May all know the highest happiness and peace and may our Coming here together, any goodness that comes from that ripple out and be of benefit to all beings everywhere. Thank you very much. Good to share the evening with you. And uh, have a a good month or so, and uh, I'll see you when I come back. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.